combination of a lot of these things that enabled me to just go all in on it. And I would, I would be lying if I said it's been, you know, it's all been sunshine, unicorns and rainbows <laughs> ever since that day. Right. There's been, there's been challenges. There's, it was, we were doing everything for everybody, right? I was wearing myself out working 18, 19, 20 hour days. And that's not really much of, of an exaggeration and it, it will beat you down. And when you need every available dollar to be able to live on, it is very taxing, very tiring. You can do it for a, for a period of time, right? I mean, I did it. I did it for a while. <laughs> I was like driving myself into the ground. My health was starting to like take a bit of a hit too. I mean, I'm just, I'm just working, 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 trying to grab a few people to help me out as, as the finances of that it allowed me to do so. But when you're under so much financial pressure just to survive, you're not. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. And if you need more information on this podcast series, go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an ED. Myexperiencedrealtor.com on the landing page, top right corner, you will see podcast. Click on that. Scroll down to whatever episode, all the episodes, click follow, subscribe. You can download them on Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, iTunes. And if you click the read more button, you can learn more about our guests like today. Aaron's pads. Aaron, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And a fellow podcaster, right? Two for of sure. them, right? For sure. Yeah, two of them have been having a blast with it. So started the Veterans Business Podcast about a year ago. Been been an amazing time, amazing journey, amazing people, which is which is what it's all about. It's about you know, talking to just amazing and fun people and then just barely launched a podcast that I could not believe did not already exist. The Dallas, the, the, the Dallas Fort Worth business podcast. Why, why has no one done this yet? So doing that, running with it, doing a daily show. It's been, it, it's been a lot of fun already. It's been a lot of fun. Oh yeah. And then I was on your podcast earlier this week. So when that one drops, we'll put that on, sure. on your episode here too. So people can listen to me being interrogated instead Absolutely. of being the interrogate tour. So before I start any of these, my father-in-law, James Van Hook says, I got to do a joke. So I always do a joke. And he's been inherently disappointed by my jokes. So you ready? Do it. Knock, knock. Who's there? Aaron. Aaron who? Aaron on the side of caution. <laughs> but <I'm> sh <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Dad jokes, right? Yeah, that's great. Like clean dad jokes. Like he was expecting me to do typical span jackassery of, you know, dirty jokes and everything else. So I love doing really bad jokes. That way it annoys him. Although I know... That he doesn't download or listen to any of these, but should he accidentally fall over a computer and listen to one of these, I want him to just be really, really annoyed, even though he's the best father-in-law in the world. Well, you know, I mean, you got to throw him a bone somehow. So <laughs> <laughs> Now, aside from your two podcasts, you've got another business. Sure. Okay. So what's, what's that business? So, uh, Bold Media. So Bold Media really started as a... Really, as like a side project, side hustle, a, a experimentation into the forays of business, and so it, it originally began as a website development hobby. Right, it was more of like, hey, I love doing websites, I love being creative, 
So I'm going to start this little thing on the side and just see what happens. And so would like to think that if clients have had a phenomenal experience work with me. And so one thing led to the next ran into a great opportunity where I could launch and go, go completely all in on the business. And so I did that and never really looked back. Now the business has, the business is absolutely, and you know, we'll probably get into this later and later on, but it has definitely evolved and shifted from what it originally was on day one. And it's, it's, it's changed course ever so slightly over the last, my gosh, two years or so, three years. So it's been, it's been, it's been a wild ride, but no, the bold media, bold media now is the company that holds and owns obviously both podcasts, but also is where I do all my strategic business consulting with companies as it relates to market strategy, it, taking your mission, vision values. If you have them, hopefully you have them. If you don't have them, I, I help you and your executive team work on that and get, let's get some clarity around what the heck it is we're doing. And then once we've got that, now we can turn that around develop and, and, and really have a well-articulated strategic marketing plan to support your business objectives. And that's really, that's the, that's the bread and butter. That's the, that's the meat. So, so give me an example and you don't have to name the company or anything else of what you did to help a company out. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's a client I'm working with right now, California based company. They do, they do work all over the world. They have a couple of different offices across the United States. They've been in operation for a number of years. I'm trying, I'm making, I'm trying to make sure I don't accidentally reveal who they are, <laughs> but, but they've, they've been in operation for a number of years, been very, very, very successful in what it is they do. They're just, they're a great company, great leadership team, really good people. And a, a continuation of business, it just, it just, it just keeps going, right? COVID has definitely impacted some of their business, some, some technology that, that has evolved over the last several years has, has actually really put a dampener on some of the things that they used to do. They used to be very successful because technology advances, right? Things, things change. And because of that, some of the things that they have done for their, for their customers has changed or is no longer actually useful. So what, what I have done and what I'm working with them on right now, and this is just one example of probably a dozen or more of where I'm, I'm coming in right now. Well, it used to, it'd be, I'd get on a plane, I meet you in your corporate office and we're, we're, a, you know, we're at a boardroom, we're talking and we're, you know, smoking and joking and eating lunch and having fun. Right. It, but getting real work done now, it's all virtual. So now I'm, I'm doing this and I'll have a whiteboard back at my death star, as I like to call it, my, my office space. And now we're, we're doing the very best we can in this like virtual, this virtual world we're living in now. So helping them articulate it. Sometimes I'll just poke the bear and be like, man, your mission, your mission doesn't really explain what it is that you're doing or your vision is not very well articulated or, or, you know, help me find it in here. Like your employee handbook or your website, I can't find it. Like, what is it? And you get like six different answers. And so again, without boring everyone who's listening, watching this to sleep is really helping, helping really focus and drive the discussion. So like, let's, let's, Let's make a decision. Let's put a bow on this thing. Let's let's at least get the ball moving. We it, it's much easier to redirect an object in motion than it is to get it going. Let's get it going if it's not going, and if it is going, let's now let's start to redirect and redefine where it is that we want to take it. And so, again, I'm probably like losing myself in my own commentary here, but but helping them articulate all that, and then once we have that done, because all your marketing work is, in in my opinion, is useless without a well articulated overall overarching strategy. So it sounds like you're helping companies find clarity. Yep. 
And that's fantastic. But I want to go back to something you just said. Okay. Right. Smoking and joking. Where does that term come from, A.A. Ron? <laughs> Smoking and joking, I think, is a... That, if the Marine Corps didn't invent it, they sure did try because... <laughs> tried I, to copyright it. <laughs> I, I don't know if I have not heard that at least, you know, three, four, five times a week being on active duty or at the schoolhouse, whatever it is you're doing. That's just another one of the many crazy things that we do as military folks is we have a catchphrase. We have some stupid phrase or saying for everything and you can't get away from it, even if you've been out for forever. And what's funny, and you, you can probably relate to this too, is have, have you ever noticed when you're talking to somebody, maybe they're like they're fresher, like they're fresher from their separation. So they've got all the vocabulary that you used to know, like right off the right off the top of your head. They start using some of these same little acronyms or words and it, it starts coming back. Like, I'm like, man, I have not used that. Like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a nightmare that just will not go away. Right. Yeah. But it'll, it'll come I back. I choked the boogeyman out underneath my bed and that some bitch keeps coming on back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, you'll, you'll find yourself being able to, I'm like, man, I have not, like, how did my brain know to like go grab that? Cause that's, that's a record in deep, deep, deep in, in, in the archives, you know? So. So the Marine Corps. So what years were you in the Marine Corps? So I served from 2008 to 2012. Okay. Um, I was a Camp Lejeune guy. Spent most of my time there. I did. I did go. You know, on the whole overseas thing. Did that for, for a year. That was a, that was a year long deployment. And then, where uh, where'd you deploy to? I was in. I was with Task Force Lovenek in uh, Helmand Province, um, Afghanistan. Oh so. man, it's a luxury place with nice sandy beaches and everything else, right? It, man, I mean, it's nice and brown. So right. I I make the joke because. You don't realize the sensory deprivation that you go through when you're in such an isolated environment like that. So there's, you know, for, for those that may have been overseas or those that have never been, just, just imagine like living and working on like a large, like compound with very, you know, very simple structures. We're talking like plywood structures, maybe tents. Connex boxes. Connex boxes <laughs> were some, were some of our lodging, right? That, that was our hotel room. That was nice that like they had just got done upgrading when we showed up. And so we were like the beneficiaries of like a big construction project. So I got to sleep in a, like a miniaturized version of a steel container for the, for the duration of my time there. But I'm, I'm walking back from work from, from the place that I was working there all the way back to where I sleep at night. And no, like, no joke, it was probably like, and I may be slightly exaggerating. It's like a good old like fish story, right? It was like, it was this big, but probably 200 plus yards away. There was like a shower trailer. And I wasn't even aware that it was there and I'm walking and I just, I catch a whiff of like shampoo or, or soap or something. <laughs> and I, and I instantly knew where, and I'm like, okay, I know the wind direction I turn and it's like, I could barely see the dude walking. Like he's like, you know, he, he's dressed and everything. He's walking back to his, like to his box, but he's like way the heck over there. And I'm like, man, like I could smell that in like HD. Like it was yeah. like high definition smell. Cause I haven't smelled anything in months is, is what it felt like. You know, and it's really, it's really funny because so for folks that have never been in combat or been in very austere environments, right. Is I can remember being in jungles and you would smell something and you, it, 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 you, you, it, that smell might've been lingering yeah. for an hour. That's, That's how funny it was. Right. Yeah. So you get to upgrade 
from the plywood to the Connex boxes. So now when the mortars were coming in, instead of getting wood splinters, you were getting metal shreds, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I mean, I had a great, I mean, it was, it was a great deployment. It was my only ticket to Afghanistan. So, I mean, obviously when you serve and you sign up, your dream is to go forward and be on the front lines and to do, and, and to do battle. And so my opportunity came in a slightly different fashion. So I, I was fortunate enough to be a part of the part of the command element for our task force. So I worked as a fires officer with our, you know, I was a part of the one-star general staff. So, so explain to the audience what that, what that means. So you're, you're an artillery guy. Yep. So talk to them about what your role is. Cause there's a lot of civilians out there that don't, don't understand what that means. Right. So typically like the most, the most traditional way that any, that a artillery guy would deploy would either be one with the guns themselves, right? So we've got these big howitzers that can blast targets from 20 plus miles away. Got it. That's one way. The other way is you need someone who can like speak geek to the artillery unit. So normally you'll have a small group of artillery minded folks that embed with a infantry battalion to kind of help make that, that whole process smooth and, and, and nice. And so as an artillery guy, you normally have those two paths to be able to deploy. You're going to get embedded within, with an infantry unit or you're going to be with the firing unit itself. I had neither option, right? So my unit had just come back from, from a deployment. So we were at the back of the line when I checked in to my unit and I realized very quickly, just, just, you know, just the pecking order of units and, and the slate of people leaving, like, man, I'm screwed. Like I'm never going to get a chance to go. And like, here I am, you know, just ready and chomp at the bit to be able to go, to go overseas and contribute to the fight. And I, I realized that chance was fleeting and I, it was, it was depressing. But I was, I was starting to come to grips with it. I was starting to like digest that reality. And then at a, at, at a unit function, I got pulled aside, was told that, hey, I know you really want to go. I've got a ticket for you. It's probably not the way that you envisioned it, but it is a way for you to go. And oh, by the way, it's a one-year deployment as opposed to the traditional six, seven-month time overseas. I'm like, sign me up. I'm there. Good. Yeah. Done. Let's go. So I spent so my, my whole time overseas was basically, again, I'm like trying to water down the language here, but it was... It was translating aviation speak into, into artillery and ground and then taking artillery and ground speak and translating it into aviation. The whole, the whole point of our section over there was to make sure we did not accidentally shoot down helicopters, airplanes, commercial aircraft in, in, in the middle of processing fire missions, meaning like we were, we were shooting like precision guided munitions. So this was like at a higher level. We were shooting rockets that could travel. 50 plus miles and you know, hit it, hit a target as big as this room from, you know, with, with deadly accuracy. And so that was, that, that was what we did. And it was, it, there was a certain element of stress to that job. I mean, during the deployment, I mean, everybody needs help and you're trying to quickly help as many people as you possibly can. And uh, I'm happy to say we, we only got my part of the, my side of the base. We only got rocketed. I think one time rocket hit maybe a hundred yards away from where I was sleeping. And I just rolled back over and went back to bed. <laughs> And you say, you know, it's funny is you can still say that with such comfort that the audience out there is like, what? It was a hundred yards away. Like what What's happening? Let me play two sounds for you. So that way you could tell the audience the difference between these. And then the second sound. Yeah. <laughs> what's the second one mean? <laughs> yeah. Scary. Right. <laughs> Scary. So it's especially the, the shredding of air, as I like to call it, like there's this, there's a shredding of the atmosphere that happens and you know, there, the explosion was very loud, but again, it was, it was not, I mean, 
I'm not I'm not trying to like over dramatize or or make something that that really wasn't there. I mean, the 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 airstrip side of the base would regularly get targeted, and that's really what they were after. And then every once in a while, they'd just they'd send a prayer, hoping that they would you know hit barracks or hit you know hit somewhere where there was maybe a lot of people concentrated. And so the and that sounds so horrible to say, but like I like laying there because my shift was weird hours. Like I was working noon to midnight at that time. I think this happened like at nine thirty in the morning, and I'm like, man, I got to go back to bed. Like I got like I got to like work tonight, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like could not care less about it because what what I knew is like there was there wasn't like a ton of them coming. So like I like one hit in the way that they'd done it, you know, a thousand times is they would freeze the mortar rounds in water. They'd set them up in the, in the middle of the night on mortar tubes. And as the water would melt, as the ice would melt around the ring of, of the mortar shell itself. And, and for those that may be watching, it's, you know, it's just, it's a big tube. We used to joke and call them potato cannons because it's just, it's a, it's a tube and it's, it's, it, I know we're going way too deep on this, but it's, like, <laughs> but it's, like, but it's, it's point detonated. So as soon as, as soon as the, the weight of the shell itself sliding down the tube strikes the primer and then again, and, and it goes, it fires. And so what they would do to help save their butts is they would freeze, they'd freeze the rounds, let them sit overnight and then they'd run. So you, you wouldn't know that they were there. And then as soon as enough ice would melt off of it, it'd slide down tube and fire. And then that way, when, by the time you realized what was happening, you go to look at the firing location. You're like, crap, man, there's nobody there. Like, you know, yeah. where are these morons? That's so, actually pretty crafty on their part. It is. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, and this is, so another fellow Marine, I was having a conversation with him and we were, we were talking about business and I said, listen, you've always got to have respect for the competition. And he was, he was getting a little annoyed. I said, look, it's, it's like going back to combat, right? You had to have a respect for the enemy. He was like, I never respected enemy. I said, no, you hated the enemy. You had to have a respect for the enemy. Yep. You had to have a healthy respect that they wanted to kill you just like you wanted to kill them, that they were fighting for something just like you were fighting for something, and that they had families just like you had families. And the second you forget to respect that, then you're putting your whole team in danger. That this is real, right? And and here's the thing is they're not operating. I mean, look, U.S. military, we spend more than what the next 25 countries added together. We have the technology. We have all these components. I mean, you're talking about you know, folks running around in the dirt, you know, throwing rocks, they, they, they really get innovative. Yep. Right. It was almost like combat entrepreneur courage <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on their part. Right. 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 They were entrepreneurs. They were just trying to kill us. Just like we were trying to kill them yep. in a whole nine yards. So you were artillery officers. You're an officer, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. And, uh, where'd you go to college? I went to university of Utah. University of Utah. And, and no, for those watching, I'm, I'm not a member of the LDS church. I, that usually like I have I have all respect for for my LDS brothers, but that's usually like the second question I get asked in direct sequence. It's it is a they're phenomenal people like some of the best some of the one some of the best skiing snowboarding and in summer sports some of the very best neighbors. I mean just phenom phenomenal people. And uh, but no, I mean I was part of a very small a very small minority of people that that hold on to to Christian beliefs, and so I, I'm definitely definitely in the minority. But man, it was a it was a great time, great school, great people, uh, just all around great experience. So what, you know, one of the things you got to love about the military is we harass each other. Oh yeah. Right. And I'm going to say something, I'm going to tell you a quick, tiny little story that will probably offend a lot of people, but I really don't care because if you can't find the humor in this, then you know what, go find another podcast. I don't care. Right. So I got a second home in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. 
And I got a friend of mine there who's a former Green Beret. He was 10th group, Purple Heart recipient, was in a building that got leveled, Damn. right? And, uh, and now he's an entrepreneur. He's a business owner, Aqua Soul. Matter of fact, for any of the audience that ever was ever passing through Pagosa Springs, you've got to go to Aqua Soul because his shrimp tacos, I kid you not, are the best shrimp tacos no, you'll ever not. have in your life, right? <laughs> so anyhow, he and I were at the Coyote Moon having a beer. This is a couple months ago. And we were, you know, just sitting there talking, just talking noise back and forth to each other. <laughs> and he's, he's from Utah, right? Yeah. And he grew up Mormon. Right. And uh, as a matter of fact, even in the military, he didn't drink till he was like 24, right? He'd right. already been a Green Beret and, you know, finally had his first beer at 24 or whatever. He was telling me the story. <laughs> and, and of course, I'm just like, oh, I got I got I got a bus on this guy. Yeah. And so it came time for the ticket. And of course, you know, as we all do, we fight over the ticket. And I said, and I looked at Ben, who's the bartender down there. And I said, Ben, you want to give me the ticket? And he goes like, well, Gavin lives here full time. And I said, I know that. But I said, I said, I'd tip better. He's Mormon. Uh, <laughs> and he, he just Gavin sitting here looking at me like, noted. <laughs> you know? noted so, yeah. so, I mean, that's the thing is this world is so tense, especially present day, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody's shouting, I don't know, making runs on D.C., you know, whatever. Right. And, and what's happened is we've lost the ability to find like, you, you got to joke around about everything. You, absolutely. And yeah. one of the things is what I think a lot of disconnects that, that civilians don't understand about the military is we joke around about really horrible things and civilians go, why do you do that? And go, well, that's our way of coping with it. Yeah. Like, you know, like when we make statements like, Hey, yeah, I mean, the easiest thing, the easiest thing about our time in the military was, you know, was actually our easiest days when people were trying to kill us. And people go, how is that anything? You go, well, really, you just live by two rules. Make sure your buddy doesn't get dead or hurt. Make sure you don't get dead or hurt. And as long as you abide by those two rules, that's where we're at. That was how simple life was, right? Bad guy's trying to kill you. You're trying to kill the bad guy. And, and I said, that's how, that's how black and white and simple it was. Now, of course, there's a lot more complexities to go sure. behind that. But if you had to sum it up and do a 30-second movie preview, that's what I try to tell folks. And, and, and I'm like, so when you're over there, you know, being shot at, your buddies are being blown up, killed, everything else, you have to find an outlet to be able to joke around about it. Absolutely. Now, unfortunately, I think you have a lot of civilians that take it way too serious, right? Like, oh, man, this person's got PTSD and blah, blah. And you're like, no, man, I'm just trying to make light of a bad situation. Right. Right. Whereas you're looking at the same civilian going, you'd probably be curled up in the fetal position, sucking your thumb, saying, mommy, make the bad man go away. Or, you know, guess what? You have men and women that sign up that know what they're getting into. This is not draft. Men, men, right. we, the longest war in the United States history, nobody was holding a gun to anybody's head to go sign up. And they're over there fighting for everybody. Whether you believe in the cause or not, the, just the essence of people that are willing to go put themselves in harm's way and do violence on the behalf of people back here, which by the way, do the numbers, less than 1% of the population is on active duty and reserve. That's Pretty. it. So 350 million people living in this country, less than 1% is what's protecting you from evil and willing to do violence on their behalf. And people go, well, you know, man, that's kind of bad to say do, willing to do violence on your behalf. Like, look, dude, you don't go into military to be like, hey, can we have, can I have cups of coffee with people? No, you're there to be a mechanism, a machine. You're there to serve a purpose, right? And people go, and then you have, of course, some idiots that are like, well, you just want to go over there because you want to kill people, blah, 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 blah. And like, man, like 
you we went over there to protect everybody to include idiots just like you right, right. like we don't discriminate we're, we're we're here to protect the rights and liberties of everybody else and that's the great thing about this country is having those right yeah. those liberties so let me ask you this so when do you fully jump into your business that you're doing right now like you just like full on hey i'm gonna i'm gonna pop smoke and i'm gonna go do this for real yeah no, it had, I mean, it was a combination of quite, of quite a lot of different factors all had to kind of line up. Don't know. Man, I mean, there's just, there's so, man, there's so much there. So had a chance. So I'd, I'd been, I'd been working at a different company. I'm just, I'm really trying to choose my words carefully here. So, so I got to, got to be, got to be wise in the way, in the way I speak about this. So it's been working, been working with, with a great group of people and I was serving in one capacity there basically got recruited out of that in the same kind of collection of companies to help run a startup company that was focused on technology. Did that for a little over a year. Had a great time, like took the company from nothing and we, we, we turned it profitable. There was, there was some other challenges with it and a lot of learning. I mean, it was, it was, it was a really, it was a phenomenal experience. I'm incredibly grateful to, to, to those, to those folks that helped provide me that opportunity, just really solid people. And so I was just grateful for that chance. And there, there were some business challenges there for sure. And, what was cool is like we we did have a breakup, but it was like a happy breakup. It was like, hey, look, you know, COVID's coming. Actually, this this before COVID, this particular industry was just having a really difficult time getting going for whatever reason. And the company that I was leading, I had I had a lot of captive audiences, so I had I was serving a collection of companies inside of a holding company, but it was they're all being the same check. The same guy was writing the same check for all of them, and so. They represented probably 50% or more of the business. And I had a collection of external clients that I was servicing and it just didn't make financial sense for them to keep going, which was funny because we were probably the only profitable company like on paper, like standalone, but as a, as a collective, some of the bigger, heavier hitters within the collection of companies was having, having a little bit more difficulty that year getting things going. So we, we kind of split up. There's a great, there's a great opportunity there. So they allowed me to take all those clients with me, like wrote me out of my non-competes and everything else. So very, very gracious. Again, like incredibly grateful. It was, a, it, was a, it was a great, it was a great breakup. It was a great split, right? So I went and I took, I took a group of, I took all of that with me and that helped give me some level of a baseline. Wasn't much, but it was something. And then I had a great opportunity. It was like literally that week, I signed a, a consulting agreement with, with another company related to marketing. Cause that was really what I was, that's really where I love to park is the strategy the development, the, the brainiac stuff that comes with that and, and helping you as a business leader really articulate like, because you have so much passion, right? You have a passion for what you do. You're good at what you do. And sometimes it helps when you have a different set of eyeballs, a different, you know, a different perspective on things. And I might ask very obvious questions that borderline on stupidity, but the way that I am able maybe to ask that question helps you have a breakthrough in the way that you're conducting your business. So anyway, it was a, it was a all in on it. And I would, I would be lying if I said it's been, you know, it's all been sunshine, unicorns and rainbows <laughs> ever since that day. Right. There's been, there's been challenges. There's, it was, we were doing everything for everybody, right? I was wearing myself out working 18, 19, 20 hour days. And that's not really much of, of an exaggeration and it, it will beat you down. And when you need every available dollar, to be able to live on, it is very taxing, very tiring. You can do it for a, for a period of time, right? I mean, I did it, I did it for a while. <laughs> it was like 
driving myself into the ground, my health was starting to like take a bit of a hit too. I mean, I'm just, I'm just working, 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 trying to grab a few people to help me out as, as the finances of that it allowed me to do so. But when you're under so much financial pressure just to survive, you're not able to make very clear decisions. And that's kind of what I realized. So I was able to take a step back, picking up, like picking up a side job, picking up something else that, that, that I love doing and allowing that to help me one, get, get back in touch with people, get or get like, get out of my own little bubble, my shell. And so collaborating with other people, allow myself the chance to recalibrate, retool, re-envision. Now I don't have a, I don't have a boot across my throat anymore when it comes to figuring out what I want to do. And it allows me to, like, I'm going to use the 2020 freaking pit, like catchphrase, which is pivot, right? I'm, I'm like, I almost want to throw up every time I hear that <laughs> word. Man, everybody uses it, man. Like I've, I've heard, I've heard the word pivot since 2013 when I was working with the startup company then. And that was like a, that was a novel concept and idea. And now it's it, like, everybody says it now because it's like this cool, this cool word. So may, maybe I'll say transition or reassess. And so I, I moved away from doing everything for everybody, doing everything from social media to website development to production to, I mean, it, like you name it, I was probably doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally now it's like nope i'm going to be your guy i'm going to be the chief cat herder of all your marketing assets of all your of all the people that maybe you need to bring in i'm going to help craft your strategy with you i'm going to partner with you you're going to retain me as a part of your staff for you know for any length of time whatever maybe it's a project maybe it's a long-term enduring basis wh- whatever it may look like we can work that out it's not that's not as important as it is to make sure that you are set up for success as my client that you're able to go out there and, and just crush it. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of that. It's been, I'm ra- basically ramping it back up. I've been able to hold on to what I've had, but again, that's just, that's a preview of the challenge of running your own startup man. running, running your own business, getting it off the ground. And that's, that's like the, that's the G that's the G rated version of the story. Yeah. So would you say that being a Marine Corps officer helped you presently with becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable? hundred percent. And I, I would say you have to know how to take a punch to the face. Tell us more about that. So I'd felt like even, even before doing my own thing, right. I, I felt like I was kind of in training wheels mode when the previous company had so graciously allowed me the chance to run a company, but they were, but they were assuming all the, all the risk, right. They were taking all the financial risk there. And you know, there's, there's pressure associated with that too. Right. And, and it wasn't even necessarily they're they're pressuring me. It was expectations of myself. I'm like, man, like I'm in a trusted position right now. Like someone's writing a check, paying me a salary to, to start a company from zero. I owe it to them. Give it everything I've got and some to make this thing as successful as I can. And, but the reality is, man, you do the best you can. So you're, you're learning, you're recalibrating, you're retooling and just do your best. And if your best isn't good enough, then okay, go find something else to do. Like it's doesn't mean you suck or that you're a failure. It just means maybe that particular thing is not what you need to be doing. Go, go do something else. And so, but take, taking a punch to the face and then going into, going into your own business, I would say it's just being told no, it's making screw ups and mistakes. It's dealing with your own disappointment. It's when you think you have a big contract coming and it was verbally agreed to and everything looks great. And then the executed agreement never comes through and you really needed that deal to pay your, 
to pay your mortgage. So let, well, <laughs> hold, hold the presses. No. You mean being an entrepreneur and a business owner isn't completely smooth without any challenges or anything? I mean, I just thought, you know I mean, man, when you decide to own your own business, it's just magical and it, everything happens like a clean sheet of paper, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Lambos and mansions, man. <laughs> <laughs> Private jets. That's so what, it. What is it that you think is internal in you that when you're staring down the barrel of a 357, the hammer's cocked and you know at any moment that trigger's going to pull and you're going to take one right between the running lights being in business. What, what is that drive in you that just said, man, we're going to, we're, we're, we're going to punch through this. I mean, aside from being able to take it punch to the face, right? right. I mean, I mean, that's rule one. You got to be like, Hey, you got to be able to take it, wipe away the tears and keep going. But what, what is that drive behind that? That allows you to take that punch to the face? That's a deep question. And it's probably not that easy to answer, but I'll do, I'll, I'll do my best. It goes back to belief. I think it's this, it, it's a dream. It's a vision of your future that, that you want to realize. It's a element of something that you're holding on to. It's this never quit, never, never give up mentality. And that's, I think, I think that's a common, I would like to think that's been a common thread through my life has been this never quit, never give up and just dealing with the adversity that life throws your way. It doesn't even have to be business. It could be personal stuff. It could be, I mean, whatever, it could be literally anything and understanding how, like, how are you going to bounce back from that? And so what that stress does, cause like that's really probably what we're trying to say is, is stress. Like when you're, when you're about to take a punch is the, the pressures and the thing it, it's just going back and, and having a compelling why to what you're doing and in a, in a belief. And like, I'll, I'll have this debate with people about where does belief cross into delusion and that, and I, I probably shouldn't have even broached that topic because it's like, <laughs> that's a whole nother can of worms we could go down and talk about forever. But no, the, to, to just plainly answer your question, I guess it's, it, it goes back to just having a firm belief in what you want to achieve. Where are you striving to go and, and why are you doing it? And for me, I, I, I see a level of independence, right. And in running and running your own venture that you don't, you don't get when you're in corporate America corporate America, you're, you're capped, right? There's your, you, and that's just the reality. Like if I'm running a company, I'm going to bring employees in. Like there's going to be some level of structure, whether it's commissions or it's a salary deal or bonuses or whatever. There's, there's a thousand ways to, to do that. When, when you're running, when you're running your own venture, there's no cap and there's a lot more risk, obviously, but you can reap a lot more of the reward for doing that. And so, and, and you have the autonomy to maybe do business that you don't, that you, that you want to do and maybe turn down things that you don't necessarily want to do. And that, that's kind of a cool thing to be able to do. So, and all the pressures of succeeding, being a business owner, you have some other pressures in the home front too, don't you? Absolutely. So you got family. Yep. Tell us about your family. Wife, three kids, been married 12 years, eight, six, and four with my kids. My wife and I made, made the decision early on in our marriage and we've, we've kept this commitment to the present day. It, and, and, I, and I realized this shoe doesn't fit for everybody. So what I'm going to say is not, this isn't meant to demean or disparage anybody's, their own beliefs. This is just, this is what we've decided to do as a family. And so for us, we decided that my wife's going to be able to stay home with our kids while, while they get ready to go to school. And so once our youngest one enters kindergarten, 
then she'll enter the workforce at that point. So up until now, we've been operating under that single income structure. And, it, and honestly, it's worked great. We haven't known we haven't known any different. Like we've we haven't become accustomed and used to having a you know a double income and the lifestyle that's associated with that. We've we've been used to to running lean and enjoying what we have and and just enjoying each other, enjoying life and making the, the most of it. I, I feel like we've been blessed enough to be able to enjoy it. Like it's not it's not something we're enduring or something that we're tolerating. Like I'm I'm genuinely happy with my life. Like it's been a 2020 was a heck of a year. It was probably the most challenging and most rewarding year of my life, like period. And so, but my family is so important, man. Like you, you've got, you got to hold on to that. And that's part of, that's, that's also part of the reason why I made a decision to change the business. Like, man, it's like, it, it, it's like in soccer, you get, sometimes you got to go backwards, to go forwards. Mm-hmm. Right. So sometimes you got to pass back to, you know, from, if you're on, on the wing or on your four, you got to pass back to your midfield. Sometimes you got to even kick it all the way back to the keeper and he's got to launch it, bomb it down the, the sideline to somebody else. And I felt like that's what I was doing in some of the decisions I've made in the last six months with business. And so, so you've got to preserve your family. You absolutely have to. And that it's incredibly important to me. Like what, what is success to me financially or business? If I have no family, if I have no relationship with my wife, I have no relationship with my children. If I'm just the income guy and a, and a figurehead, then I feel like I've lost. Like, I feel like, all of that is is worthless if I'm failing here. And so you have to define success, whatever that may look like for you. So you're saying it can be done. It can be done. I yeah. I wouldn't be I would not be enduring this and continuing to drive forward right now if I didn't believe it could be done. Like I, I have a I have a very, very optimistic view of the future. And I think anyone who's leading companies or especially in the entrepreneurial space, why are you doing it then? If, if, if you believe your best days are behind you, then you have no reason to get up in the morning. I, I have every reason to believe that, that I am working towards substantial breakthrough for myself and for my clients, for people, for my community, the level of impact that I can have worldwide for people. It's not, it's not all just about me. It's about having the capability and the ability to impact more people. And it, it's a very exhilarating thing. It's a very exhilarating thing to, to have the vision and to work towards that vision and you're so you have an idea of what it may look like or what what you would like for it to and it, yeah okay so you're going to tweak it a little bit right but if i'm here and i want to get there that that's what keeps you going each day you're like man okay like i'm going to keep maybe i need to change this up or you know i just got i got to keep being faithful to what i have right now just keep pressing on and it'll it'll happen so how important and how much of a component does it play in your world to have a spouse that supports you? <laughs> oh man, like borderline holding back tears when you say that, right? Because it is, geez. Like I could not do what I'm doing without her support. She's making sacrifices. We, and I recognize that I'm making a lot of sacrifice and just beating myself ragged. What it feels like, you know, regularly. And she believes in what I do, right? So she, she believes in this version, this vision of the future, this vision of what we hope for it to be. She's been so gracious of all my amazing screw ups and crash and burns and also my wild, hairy ideas that I get, which I think is what's exciting. And then seeing some of it start to gain traction and that, and that's exciting. And man, I, I don't, I, I really don't believe I could be here talking to you. I don't believe I could be anywhere. And 
and the story's far from over, right? I mean, I'm, I, I still feel like I'm on chapter one of this lengthy adventure. I'm probably not in chapter one, but it's what it feels like. Could not, I could not be where I am without, without her, without her love, her, her support, her encouragement. You have to have it for yourself. I'll say that. Like, so there may be days where you're trying to express something and maybe it comes out the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. And so she may be a little frustrated with you and may not under completely understand what you said or what you meant by a statement that you, that you made. And so there's going to be days where you, you just, you, you can't rely. I, I guess the point I'm trying to make here in a really poor way is you, you still have to have your own drive, I guess is what I'm saying. You have to have your own fire so I can't live vicariously through the energy and passion of my spouse or of a friend or a colleague or a mentor or whatever. They can't want it for me more than I do for myself. So I need to want it for me most. And then of course, lean on and draw on the strength and support of those closest to you. Your, your, your spouse should definitely be that person closest to you that you, that you should be able to lean on. And, but, but you've got to make decisions as, as a team. There may, there may come a day where it's like, you know what, this entrepreneurial journey is, is really, really like destroying our lives. Why don't we take a step back? go to corporate America for the next five years, retool, re-equip and come back. I mean, there's, there's nothing saying you can't do that either. So it's, again, you got to make that decision as a family or, or as a, as a, as a marriage unit there. So. so it's a lot of pressure, man, right? I mean, you got the pressure of wanting to make sure you don't fail your wife. You don't fail your three kids. You don't fail your clients. You don't fail you. I mean, man, that's, that's a lot of pressure. So what, yes. what do you do to, or do you even do it to try to find ways to decompress and disconnect, to reset your brain, to be able to jump up and be able to go back at it? It's a struggle. I, I will be, I'll be the first one to admit that is a struggle. It's something that I was hit and miss on successfully last year. It's something I'm trying to get better at this year. I, I shouldn't even use the word try. It's such a, such a weak word, but <laughs> something I, I am going to do better this year. And so like fitness is a great outlet for that, right? This time of year is probably a little more difficult because it's, it's cold and you don't want to go do those things. So for me, what I've, what I've done to put pressure on myself, again, I, I guess I just, I just love pressure of, of various flavors. But so I'll sign up and I don't say comp compete, I'll say complete triathlons. So I love the sport of triathlon. And so I'll register for a race and that gives me the pressure that I need to, to keep driving forward and to, to stay fit and or at least to work on my fitness, at least. So triathlons, that's real easy, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell me more about that. So with, with triathlons, I mean, you've got different, different forms of the sport. There are different lengths, different formats. So you could go sprint and distance, a couple, you know, couple hundred yards swim, maybe, I don't know, 10, 50-mile bike, and then top it off with a 10K run, all the way up to like full Ironman distance where you're swimming over two miles. You're biking 112 and you're finishing up with, with a full marathon. That's like, that's the, that's the other end of the spectrum. I, I actually like the, the half Ironman format. So the half Ironman format is a 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike and a half marathon at, at the end of that. And so, so what, what, what drew you to, to doing that? Like bluntly. Yeah. Discipline of fitness. So when you're in the military, you have a very compelling reason to stay fit. Yeah. For, for your job, for your, for your health, for your life, it's, it's very important to stay fit. You, and especially as, as an officer, you're, you know, you've got to set the example and lead your guys when you're out. I mean, I put weight on pretty quick. 
and I realized it was coming, you know, it was getting out of control and I did not like the fact that I would just roll out of bed and just go run. Like just running for the sake of running drives me nuts. <laughs> cycling, cycling is where it's at for me, man. I love, I love cycling because the scenery changes a lot faster. So I can get on my bike, I can go out 30, 40, 50 miles and I could see quite a bit of, quite a bit of stuff. Whereas when you're, when you're, when you're running, it's like, oh man, there's a school way down there. Five minutes later, oh, hey, there's a school right over there. <laughs> Two minutes later, oh, the school's right here. You know, it's like when I'm cycling, it's like I can get from here and I can get out of town within 30 minutes. You know, so. so I was messing around on my phone because I know I sent you the culture index the other day. And, and so these are your results right here, right? I'm, Which I'm don't scared. mean anything to you. So I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break, break them down for you, what they mean, right? All you see is a bunch of dots on there. Yeah. But, you know, getting to know you a little bit, being on your podcast. And, How bad is it, Jeremy? How no, no, it? no. Actually, what I can say is you're a very patient person. Okay. Right. So Interesting. as you're, as you're, as you're looking at this, right. So when you're, and, and I've got an episode for culture index with, with Stanton that breaks this down. Right. And so we don't have to make sausage out of this thing today, but your leading trait is patience. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So whether whether you realize that or not, and what's really funny is looking at your job behaviors, you have to be really, really, really patient. And it also shows that you could be friends with a cactus and a rock and be totally okay with it. So more yeah. introverted versus extroverted. Would you agree with that? No, I, I, I think I'm very well. So every time I take any type of these tests, I'm always like on the 49, 51%. Yeah, yeah. Like you're very close to the middle on a lot of these, except it, for your patient strength. Okay. It shows that you're very patient. So whether you realize it or not, as yourself internally processing things, you're, you're, you're really good. And that actually looking at the results of that makes complete sense, right? Just you're, you're, you're very good. Like even when we're on your podcast is, as we know, is once I start talking, it, it just won't stop. It makes my job easier though, as a host. That's <laughs> like, yes, keep yeah. going. And so, but it's also having that ability to slow down, even though you don't feel like you're slowing down. And look at everything going on around you and go, okay, okay, uh oh, okay, 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 right? Does that make sense? Does that sound a little makes, bit? Makes total sense. That's probably, and, and, yeah. at, you know, and if you take like the strengths finders test as well, or the, yeah. like, there's, a, there's a thousand of these things out there, but you know, strategy, arrangement, belief, all, all, these, all these different things, right? So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not that surprised because one, I've never taken that particular test before. So it's, it, it, it will be an interesting read. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I'll for make sure. sure to send this to you. I'm a, I'm a big believer in looking at the results of culture index because I want to communicate with the world. Right. And you hear, you hear the Bubba say, oh, you're in America. You need to speak American. Right. And you're like, Hey, listen, if somebody doesn't comprehend the language, doesn't matter how loud you yell at them or how slow you talk. And, and I think that that's the missing component of this world is, People have stopped trying to communicate, right? And so learning to speak Romanian, learning to speak Mandarin, learning to speak Spanish really opened the doors for me going, man, I just want to communicate with the world. Cool. And so this gives me the ability to, to, we use it for clients being able to present information the way they want to process it because I, not everybody has the time and energy to come learn my language, right? And as my wife would tell you is I'm crazy. And so people wouldn't understand it even if they tried. I'm like a bad 
science experience that went, <laughs> went wrong, right? But I had the ability to look at these things and be able to go, let me speak your language, yep. right? And, and as so, that's so important in today. And, important. And, and I think my drive from that came from the Marine Corps, right? So you get to boot camp or you and OCS and you're looking around and you're like, hey, not everybody's same shapes and sizes. This ain't apples to apples, man. You got different colors, different religions, different genders, different everything in the military, right? And you've all got to cohabitate and be able to get along, yeah. right? And even though we speak the common language of Marine, right, that's our driving force, is even when you take the uniform off, you still got to live with each other, right? And not everything's same, same. And I was fascinated by how different everybody was. And I just oh, yeah. wanted to learn more about them. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm fascinated by humans, right? Even the dumb ones, right? And there seems like we got a lot of dumb ones out there right now. But man, I, it, it's obvious how you, you your your drive and your success, and and I, I I have no doubt that you're going to be wildly successful in everything that you do. You just you have that you have that passion behind you, right? Like even watching you describe. You know, you, you came in here and you're like, man, I'm used to being on the other side of this and watching the passion that you have behind it. That's something you can't fake. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, sure. that's something that is either there or it's not. Right. And you have it and, and you definitely have four people in your household besides yourself that you're fighting to go do that with. Yeah, right. For sure. And that's awesome, man. So, okay, well, let's go back. I, I, I like to cap and cap every one of these episodes with. What would you tell 20-year-old self? And it's been really funny. Is we've had 20 episodes that have already been either already dropped or getting ready to drop, and then we're recording this series this week. And even today, we haven't had anybody give the same answer to this question, which is, is it's an unintended benefit that we've gotten out of it because really should call this, what would you tell 20-year-old self? That's really what I should call this because everybody's used so much candor and answering this question is there's a million things we would tell ourselves and we probably wouldn't listen to a single one of them at 20. But if you could go back and talk to 20 year old self, say just, all right, you're, you're going to do whatever, but just do this one thing or don't do this one thing. What would, what would you tell 20 year old self? Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's such a deep, it really is. It's more profound than I think we even realize because it's like, you can really envision that you can see that. So I, I will take a stab at this and I purposely did not, I did not want to think too much about this prior to our discussion because I really wanted to give this raw and unfiltered. And it's, so it's funny, the first place I go, funny you mentioned patience in, in that, in that test, because what I would probably say would be some combination of this, which is do not, do not apologize for your, for your driven nature continue to be patient and determined to make every single opportunity, no matter how good or crappy it is, a learning opportunity. And I think in, in just taking that as a package and putting a bow on it, I think for me, that would be a recipe for success. Well, I can say that thank you for holding the marathon open because that is one we haven't heard yet. <laughs> you know, at some point, I know these are going to have some overlap. For sure. Right? You can't have a million guests on that don't say the same thing at some point. But that's been really exciting to watch is to hear the candor behind the answer of what we would tell 20-year-old self, right? Because we know we'd want to tell a lot of things, but we don't know that we would actually listen. But 
That's that's a great sound advice. Okay, so people want to learn more about you. Where do they go? What do they click on? Do they sure. email? Do they call? What are, what's the best way? Yeah, I mean, I I don't mind giving it all out there just just bluntly. So feel free to email me, Aaron A A Ron. Say <laughs> you'll you'll never forget that right, right. at at boldmedia.us. That's probably the the most the most direct way to that is the most direct way to get a hold of me. Uh, you can obviously go to my website boldmedia.us. You can follow any of the shows. Anything that I'm doing is on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. You can go you can go everywhere. You you can listen to the shows in audio form as well. But but directly, you know, direct communication, Aaron at boldmedia.us. And the name of the two podcasts? The Dallas-Fort Worth Business Podcast and the Veterans Business Podcast. And what platforms can people download those on? Everywhere. Everywhere. YouTube, the whole nine yards. Everywhere. You can see it in audio. Or you can see it in video. You can listen to it in audio. So if you're an Apple podcast person listening to this on the drive into work or at the gym or whatever, or at your desk, you can listen to it. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google. I mean, like literally the list just goes on and on and on. Are you on TikTok? I, I, I guess I'm technically on TikTok, <laughs> but I don't do anything with it. I don't do anything with I'm it. I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole because we'll be here for another hour. I, of my I fascination with TikTok, right? I mean, it's just, I'm fascinated by it because of the explosive growth. And then one of my friends yesterday was like, well, you know, the Chinese are monitored. I'm like, look, Chinese are monitoring everything. What are they going to come take from me? Clients? I yeah. Know, right? Well, if anything, I'll take a billion Chinese downloading my episode, you know, right. whatever, right? Sure. Hey, sure. hey, Roger that, you know, maybe they'll get inspired by some freedom. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, That's yeah. Right. So and for the audience and, and you, you can always go to my realtor.com. That's experience with an ED, my realtor.com. Go down to Aaron Spatz and you can hit the read more and find out how to listen to his podcast and the whole nine yards. We'll have the links on there. Aaron, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for gifting us with your knowledge experience. And man, I really appreciate you. And thank you for being a fellow Marine that has been out there and getting some. Semper Fi, Jeremy. Sincere. Semper Fi. Sincere pleasure. All right, brother. Dan? Did you pay? It was so, good. It was yeah. good. Again, I'm.